welcome to Legal Light, where we discuss everything e-discovery. Legal Light is brought to you by Altlaw e-discovery, the UK's leading independent e-discovery service provider, and your host, Matt Altes, CEO and founder of Altlaw e-discovery. Hello again, I'm Matt from Altlaw e-discovery. Today I'm in conversation with Stuart Clark, CTO at Newex. So welcome, Stuart. Thank you, pleasure to be here. Thanks for coming in. You're welcome, you're very welcome. So, You've been at Newitz for six years. Tell me about your career there. Yeah, um, so I guess my early career starts um, actually in engineering, bizarrely enough. Um, came straight out of school, started working in an engineering forum and quickly decided engineering really wasn't for me. Um, and then kind of made the move into, in, in, into IT. Um, and my, my real passion was, uh, I was very interested in, in investigative type stuff. So crime, C NCIS type stuff that was always of interest to me. Um, so I, I landed on a degree in digital forensics, which uh, way back then was very novel, very new and unique. Um, and then from there, uh, embarked on a career in, in digital forensics, um, worked for a, a small organization uh, called 7Safe, which were very focused on doing digital forensic investigations. Um, we also did uh, a lot of incident response cybersecurity work as well. Um, and as that business grew, um, it may sound bizarre to say this today, but back then uh, there wasn't a lot of money in cybersecurity. Um, no one was really interested in cybersecurity and it wasn't the hype that it had today. So we diversified the business and, and we looked towards e-discovery. Uh, so I had the unique opportunity to come down to London, uh, set up a small office in London, and then we, we built up an e-discovery practice as well within within 7Safe. Come down from where? Uh, we were originally in Cambridge. Oh, okay. Came from the northeast originally, stopped off in Cambridge for a few years, and then straight down to London. Um, uh, and we had a, a good crack at the e-discovery market with 7Safe um, down in London. Subsequently, we were acquired by PA Consulting, um, which was an interesting experience for me. It, it, led me to realize that I actually quite like building things. Um, so after a, a bit of time at PA, um, I joined an organization called Milnet. And my remit at, remit at Milnet was very much to, to build up their digital investigations and, and forensic capabilities inside the organization um, that was traditionally focused on electronic, disco electronic disclosure and discovery um, and also hard copy um, as well. So spent a bit of time there and I think my passion for, for building things really brought me to Newix. Um, I was building up service lines uh, and business offerings. Newix allowed me to build software. Uh, so I joined Newix really to, to focus on building the, the technology so that it would be more relevant for the investigation community, but also support a lot of the incident responders and cybersecurity practitioners in the market as well. Um, and my focus was really, how do we take that core Newix technology into those new markets? Um, six years later, um, lots, of, uh, lots of experience at Newix, but here we are today, um, embarking on, on, on bigger and better challenges, really. So. And you're now CTO of Cyber. So what does that involve? Yeah, so that, that's my official job title. Um, but effectively, Newix has grown an awful lot over those six years. And uh, part of my remit is to, to, to spread a lot of different areas. So my, while I have had a lot of focus on cybersecurity, uh, my current focus is really around what we refer to as the private sector. So uh, my responsibility in the, the region of EMEA is to, to enable our customers and our partners to take advantage of the newest technology both for for e-discovery but also for investigations so if you if you look at some of our corporate customers how can they leverage the newest technology to do investigations in-house 
So a big part of my role at the moment is is setting those strategies across those different verticals of how Newix would go to market both with our partners, um, but also sell direct to those customers as well, making use of all of our, our technology portfolio. So Newix has traditionally been um, involved in uh, forensics, cybersecurity, information governance. With eDiscovery, we've always found being a bit of a byproduct for them. So it was a big surprise to us that you um, went and uh, acquired Ringtail. What led you to that decision? Yeah, that, that, that's an interesting observation. It's an observation we, we hear lots of different sides to. Um, so if, if you go back to what historically Newix was uh, over 20 years ago, we, we developed a processing engine. Uh, that processing engine was, uh, and you're exactly right, was originally intended to do investigations. Um, and we were supporting people in investigating electronic data. Um, but we, we, we leveraged that capability in the early days to, to help e-discovery practitioners process huge volumes of data at high speeds. Um, and over the years, what we've come to realize is that the processing engine that we built is incredibly scalable and, and very extensible. Um, and as a consequence, um, in the market, it may look like we're doing lots of things. Um, we support law enforcement and government customers doing investigations for criminal purposes. Uh, we also support corporate customers doing internal investigations inside a threat, cybersecurity, but also information governance as well. So from an external perspective, it just sometimes looks like we perhaps aren't as focused on a particular market as we could be. And we were always conscious of that. Um, while we were trying to do everything in all of those different markets, we were very conscious that um, we wanted to do more in the e-discovery community. It's, it was a real important market to us um, and enabled us to grow at the rate we did. And we always tried to build technology to support that market. But we came to realize that actually, if we're going to do this, we, we need to, to make a big statement. Um, and, and that led us to the, the decision around um, the Ringtail acquisition. Uh, we're in a unique position, I guess, in that most e-discovery projects, certainly back in the day, data was coming through our platform, um, whether that be through our advisory partners or service provider partners, they would leverage Newix to process data. And what we really wanted to enable customers and partners to do was to leverage our technology throughout the entire EDRM lifecycle. Um, so if we can help you with that early bit, the data processing bit, and the data collection bit, how can we then seamlessly transition you through to the, the, the right-hand side of that EDRM model and, and really build, bringing in a review platform like Ringtail was the natural choice. So is Newix now a little bit more committed to e-discovery? Yeah, I would say so. I'd say we're very focused on um, enabling our technology to be the number one end-to-end e-discovery platform. Um, that is a core focus of ours. We were equally committed to being the number one investigation platform in the market. Now, with the Ringtail acquisition, we've been actually to make very defined focuses from a product strategy point of view. We have uh, the core Newix engine and Ringtail, which we subsequently rebranded as Newix Discover. Mm -hmm. Very focused on supporting the e-discovery community, our legal clients, our corporate clients, and we even have um, clients in the, in the government space using those technologies to, to, to review large corpuses of, uh, of documents and to leverage some of our analytics. So absolutely, that's a core focus of ours. So we have other technology naturally positioned and developed for our investigations market. There are natural synergies between the two, but 
the Ringtail acquisition has really allowed us to, to define that focus and invest heavily in that area, which we continue to do so. So how has the uptake been since you acquired Ringtail? Uh, yeah, I mean, the uptake's been really great. Um, one of the things that not many people aware, were aware of is Ringtail uh, had Newix embedded within it. So that, that was a, a really big win um, because effectively the processing engine that was built into Ringtail was the Newix processing engine. So as we, we took the, the Ringtail platform on board, we had that integration built out of the box. So that's really allowed us to accelerate uptake. Um, effectively, you're, you're not bolting two products together. They're already integrated. The, the Ringtail review platform can leverage that Newix processing engine. So we've seen a really positive uptake um, across the regions. Um, I think it's we, we inherited a lot of customers across the regions as well, which was great. And we've we've got some good momentum. We've built on that. Um, we've we've had some great success with some of our key partners globally, um, and we're bringing on more and more customers. And what's been really exciting for us is uh, corporate customers. The the uptake in our on our corporate customers is, has been really positive, um, and we hope that continues to grow. So with the rise and rise of cloud computing, I, how are you? intending to develop Ringtail. Are you intending to make it a, um, a, a cloud-based model as well? Yeah, so uh, one of the great things about Ringtail, um, so Ringtail, as you know, is a well-established brand in the e-discovery community. Um, and inside of FTI, they made the decision um, a number of years ago to actually re-architect the platform um, to being a cloud-native platform. So Ringtail, or Newix Discover as it stands today, um, we offer it in two models. We offer it uh, as a SaaS platform, uh, but we also offer it on-premise. Uh, and one of the really nice things about that is our SaaS platform, it allows us to innovate and iterate the product at a very rapid rate. We're delivering continuous development cycles to our customers in the SaaS platform. And that's really exciting because we're, we're able to get the latest and greatest features into the hands of our customers. But alongside that, on-premise is incredibly important to our customers. Uh, we've heard that from the market. They, they desire an on-premise model. Having a, a platform behind the firewall is incredibly important when you start to think about privacy, particularly here in the EU. So maintaining um, that on-premise capability is something that's important to us. Granted, the release cycles are, are not as frequent as a SaaS platform, but we have a very good release cadence around our on-premise modules um, and this feature parity across the portfolio when we do a major release, which is which is really exciting. It gives us great flexibility as well. The, the great thing about that as well is while Ringtail can sit in the cloud and also on-prem, the Newix engine can also operate in the cloud and on-prem as well. So you get all of the power of the Newix engine, which is really where we've, we've built our core capabilities around, both behind the firewall or in that SaaS platform. Um, so it's incredibly extensible from that perspective. No matter how big your, your project is, how complex that project is, you can scale up the architecture and deal with that. So the move to cloud is something we, we feel very prepared for um, and we can we hope to better prepare our customers for it as well. So you've seen a lot of changes over the last six years within Newix, particularly in the departure of the old management team. You've got a new CEO, new group CEO. You've made a huge step of requiring Ringtail. What's the future look like for Newix in general and particularly um, with you? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it, it has been a, 
over six years, there's been a lot going on, I must admit. When I joined UX, um, we were a startup. It was innovative, it was exciting, very fast moving. Uh, as a startup, naturally, we chased down all the opportunities and we did our, our damnedest to, to capitalize on those opportunities. And that enabled us to achieve the amazing growth that we've enjoyed. But as with all startups, there comes a time where actually we need to look at actually focusing and scaling that growth. So we, we have seen a lot of change internally. We've also seen a lot of change externally with our, with our markets have changed, our competition continues to change um, and opportunities come and go in the market. We take very strategic decisions around where we're going to invest both today but also moving forward. Um, the acquisition of Ringtail um, and the rebranding of that product into New Dis Newix Discover was a, a very strategic decision. That, that is a strategic direction that we want to go in. Um, we have a very good footprint in the corporate market and we want to, to build on that footprint. But also having that capability now, we want to open up new use cases. We're very focused on e-discovery, we're very focused on investigations, but having this capability now enables us to look at different use cases such as corporate surveillance, mm -hmm. information governance, so as we look to the future, these are certainly the opportunities that um, will certainly be helping our customers support. Uh, and the, the real great thing about that, and the thing I've always loved about being at Newix is it all comes from that core engine, that core capability that we've had all of these years. You can stretch it and bend it in a number of different ways. Um, and it's incumbent on us as we move forward to just make sure that we maintain that commitment to our key markets as well. I think that the perception that you mentioned earlier on is something that we're very conscious of and we want to ensure that all of our customers know that we are invested in those areas um, and that we don't spread ourselves too thinly. So as we look to the future, we will be very careful to make those investments in the right place, working with the right partners as well to, to make sure that we can deliver a good end-to-end -end service because most of the time it's, it's more than just software. So we're very careful who we work with from a partner perspective and working closely with those partners to deliver the, the right product to our customers really. When I was um, researching for this interview, yep. I come across something. You're a techie guy, but you're trustee of a rhino charity. What's that about? Yeah, that's, uh, so that's something that's a great passion of mine. Um, I, I've grown up around uh, animals. Rhinos. No, not particularly rhinos. <laughs> <laughs> Similar. Um, I, I grew up on a farm, so I've always been around animals, but I, particularly when I went on a safari, um, as you do in South Africa, that. The rhino in particular really stuck with me. It's, it's, an, it's an amazing animal, incredible animal to see in the wild. Uh, it's prehistoric um, and it had this very majestic, very kind of powerful, but also harmless um, beast. It's an incredibly, uh, incredibly majestic animal to see in the wild. And what really struck me is uh, the, the, the challenges that, that rhinos are facing. They are, they're facing uh, extinction in the next 10 years. And, uh, it's incredibly saddening to think that actually that the population of rhino has declined by over 90% in the last century, purely by human action. Um, and that kind of inspired me to, I don't want to see an animal become extinct on my watch. And I've got a particular passion for rhinos. Just be, it's not unique to rhinos, but well, they've stood the, the test of time. They've been here for millions of years and it, it's, it shouldn't be allowed that humans can undo all of that. It's a great passion of mine, um, something I, I really enjoy, and uh, I'll be lucky enough um, later on uh, in the year to be to be spending some time at an orphanage um, and looking after some baby rhinos as well. So. And you're levering technology with this charity, aren't you? Well, how's how's that working? Yeah, so that, that, that's a really interesting one. So 
the, the challenges that um, rhinos and many other species face, um, a lot of those challenges can be solved by technology. Uh, if, you, if you look at poaching, for example, uh, rhinos are po poached for their horns. Um, their horns, there's a belief that their horns are, uh, are basically medicine. They can cure cancer. They can do all kind of weird and wonderful things. Aphrodisiacs. Aphrodisiacs, exactly. Um, when in fact, uh, a rhino horn is made out of keratin. It's exactly the same product as your fingernail. Uh, it's scientifically proven to be useless. Um, but unfortunately, that demand has created um, what is now the, the fourth largest organized crime in the world, um, which is wildlife crime. And that's an, a, a real big challenge, but technology can start to solve. Um, a lot of these, these trades, these deals are done on the black market. They're done with things, social media platforms, messaging platforms, they're leveraging things like blockchain. So the technology providers can do something about this, um, whether it be investigating, whether it be gathering intelligence, or whether it would just be trying to disrupt these networks. Um, so I, I guess I'm in a unique position, having worked for Newix, I know what we can do in the investigation community. I know the problem that, that, that rhinos and other, other wildlife are facing. So there's a real nice synergy between the two. Um, and I'm lucky enough to, to talk about that quite extensively because um, it, it has far reaching consequences even for us here in the UK. Um, the money that flows through the banks and flows through the network, it touches all of us in some way, shape or form. So, and I read the other day that um, there's a scientist that um, he, he, he put an, uh, an article in one of the broadsheets that um, they're planning to flood the market with fake rhino horn. Yeah. It's a strange thing, but what do you think of it? It's an interesting concept. Uh, the, the, the thing that I struggle with this is we're not solving the problem. Uh, the problem is there's a belief that this the rhino horn it has medical properties and it has all of these things that it can do which are, are false. And that's the problem. The problem is not that we need to give people more of this. The, the problem is we need to dispel the myths. We need to educate people in that rhino horn cannot cure cancer. Rhino horn cannot, it's not an aphrodisiac. It doesn't cure hangovers. It doesn't do anything. It, it belongs on a rhino. Uh, we've got to stop the demand. Um, and flooding the market with fake rhino horn has the, there's a real risk that it will generate demand and a premium for the real rhino horn. And that increased premium will increase the severity of the black market and it will increase the aggressiveness of these animals being killed, currently at a rate of two a day. Um, if that goes up, there, there will be no rhinos left. How many left in the wild? Um, there, there's no fixed number, but there's less than 30,000 in the wild. Wow. And that's spread across southern and eastern Africa and a little bit of Asia as well, particularly India. So uh, the numbers are, are very, very small. Um, and at the current rate of, of two a day, then the, the future doesn't look great. But uh, unfortunately, we're not curing the problem. So we, we've still got to keep focus on that problem and solve the, solve the demand. When the demand stops, the, the killing will stop. Now, we come to that part of the show where we have a spot which we ask, did you know? So you're going to tell us something now that we wouldn't have known. So. Did you know that Stuart Clark? Um, so Stuart Clark was once involved uh, in a bike race, professional bike race called Paris Nice. Um, it's quite a funny story. So a number of years ago, I'm a p passionate cyclist. Um, I used to race back in the day, not so much anymore. But I went down to, to Nice to, to watch the Paris Nice bike race in March. Um, and as the race passed me, um, I thought the race had finished, but there was a gruppetto, which is a group of riders who are usually at the back of the race, just chilling out, basically. They've done their work for the day. 
So I started to ride down into Nice and next thing I know I'm involved in the group and I ended up riding all the way back down to Nice in the group of professional riders for about six kilometers. How did you do? Uh, it was hard work. <laughs> I bet. Thankfully it was downhill but um, it was good fun. Um, it was purely unintentional, purely accident but it was good fun to ride with the pros for sure. So. Brilliant, brilliant. Well Stuart, great. It's been fantastic talking to you. Thanks so much for coming in. No worries, thank you. And um, we'll see you at Legal Tech. Um, hopefully, hopefully, yeah. Great. Great stuff, thank you. Legal Light was brought to you by Altlaw eDiscovery, the UK's leading independent eDiscovery service provider. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to like, comment and share, and please leave us a review. For more information on our products and services, visit www.altlaw.co.uk. That's www.altlaw.co.uk.